Jeannie Patel Thompson, international best-selling author, health product formulator, horse listener, earth singer, mother, medicine woman, elephant acolyte, and regenerative farmer. This is the Jeannie Podcast. I'm here with animal and human soul whisperer Jeannie Jablonski. You can reach her at heartofthehorse.us or JeannieJablonski.com. I'll put links to both in the show notes, along with a nice short bio about Ginny, so I can get straight into our amazingly fascinating topic today about soul agreements, egregores, and what prevents us from moving forward. You're going to love this one. So I was discussing soul agreements with my daughter and a couple of her friends, and they were not really clear on what that was and whether it was the same thing as a karmic contract. And so, Ginny, you have so much experience with this. You have worked with thousands of clients looking at their soul agreements and, you know, helping them work through that and and do whatever they need to do. So let's ask you that question. What is a soul agreement? Well, to be clear, I think you would be hard pressed to find five or six out of 10 metaphysical people to answer this question in the same way. And karma and contracts really are a much debated subject. What I can do is share with you from my experience, the tremendous benefit that results for many people in having this information. In my experience, contracts in particular, soul agreements that I work with generally refer to the plan that the soul has in incarnating in a physical body and what they want to experience, overarching experience. Now, we're not talking about the life plan that would constitute a three-inch thick novel, all of the what-ifs and choices and exit points and all of that. We're talking about As a soul, I'm going to incarnate in this life and choose to experience something resulting from fear. So the fear of being alone, the fear of being misunderstood, the fear of getting it wrong, the fear of being right, the fear of trusting another being the fear of being honored, being recognized. When we choose as a soul or spirit to experience fear, we know that we are going to experience the consequences of that fear. We're going to attract that to us, and it's going to potentially be an emotional roller coaster. Unfortunately, many of us don't wake up necessarily to remember that we are even a soul or spirit in a body and that we came here choosing to experience these hardships. So that's the primary realm in which I operate. However, there are also agreements between souls, parental agreements, uh, significant other agreements, agreements for In the realm of parental agreements, there's us choosing our parents. We may or may not have unfinished business, what you might refer to as karma, together with them. Some of us choose to come in and incarnate in a specific genetic lineage that we've never incarnated in before. 
in order to bring healing to the lineage, which often looks like a lot of trauma and abuse, but we are there holding space, anchoring light. So really we could have so many different conversations and the conversation could take many different turns. Where would you like to start, Jeannie? I would actually love to go into what you just talked about, where someone chooses to come into an incarnation with a very rocky start, because I have met so many people recently where just the other day, this uh, woman, her father is a drug addict and alcoholic, and her mother died suddenly of pneumonia when she was 11. And I just, I meet people like that and I'm like, wow, you chose to work with some some tough stuff in this lifetime, but I could also see uh, there's something generational coming down your father's lineage. So let's go into that whole thing. Like people who are just like, I had the, I've had the worst start in life. I've had the worst parents. I've had the deck stacked against me. Let's talk about why a soul might choose to come into this planet in that way. Well, I can't speak specifically to this particular issue. And I have to say that the answer will be as unique as the person, as the soul. And this is true both for humans and animals in my experience. There will be a confluence of many contributing factors that have been unresolved for a specific soul potentially over many lifetimes, and ancestral burdens, debts, karma, etc. at play as well. Do you have a client who you remember, like a client story you could tell us as an example? I do, but I think I'd like to say first that mm -hmm. there is one blanket answer to your question. Why would a soul do this? And the answer is, on the other side, we are uncorrupted, brilliant, infinite beings of love and light. And most souls are eager to come here to not only learn and have this unique emotional experience of being human, but also to support their soul friends and their soul lineage in particular, and soul groups, those that we choose to associate with over the millennia, and <laughs> many, many millennia, many uh, souls on earth are just so incredibly ancient, trillions of years old in our context, of course. So why we would do it is really hard to fathom from the perspective of the person who is suffering. And I certainly count myself among people like that for many years. I could not fathom why I, as a soul, would have chosen to do that. And I do fall into the circumstance that you described, a brilliant light coming into a genetic lineage to bring the light. And I've had many clients as well share their stories and I've had the opportunity to work with their souls and their guides and their ancestry. Could we say though that the end result of whatever that unique process is, is that the soul evolves, the soul grows? Well, there's two schools of thought. One school of thought is that 
the soul has nothing to learn. The soul already knows everything. <laughs> the other school of thought, which is really hotly contested by, by many people, um, they get upset if you even suggest that a soul has anything to learn. From my perspective, I think both may be true. And I just don't have all the answers. I think mm -hmm. it is more relative to the individual person and soul. The answer is we are always learning, of course. We are always learning more in particular about the human experience. I think what set Earth right now, you know, November 2023 apart from other experiences is that so many souls have come here now to be a part of the evolution of humanity, whether some people perceive it will take a decade or some people perceive it will take a century. Many, many souls have come here to resolve a tremendous amount of unfinished business, what some people refer to as karma. My language is judgment. Where have we judged ourselves? Where have we withheld love? What is our resistance? to receiving healing, allowing ourselves to heal. So there is, again, this confluence of circumstances on earth right now. And it does seem as if some souls are choosing not to heal and some souls are on the, let's say, proverbial, I'm doing air quotes with my hands, fast track to some sort of evolution. And I'm really not even talking about enlightenment and perceiving oneness. I'm just talking about waking up and being self-aware and self-responsible, which achieving any flavor of that is a true well, it's it's truly rare. <laughs> and mm -hmm. many, 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 many people are achieving that now. They are self-reflecting and they are asking these questions that you are asking. Why did I incarnate in this particular family? Why would I have allowed this to happen? So what I can do is just give you a few reasons that I have perceived over time. And that is we have been the perpetrator in the past. And in this life, we mm -hmm. chose to be the victim. You know, this reality is based on fear. It's based on domination and control. And it's certainly based on the victim perpetrator paradigm. So many of us believe because we have judged ourselves to have been wrong, that we then deserve to suffer at the hands of another, or at the very least, suffer until we remember suffering isn't necessary and we wake up and say, oh, I'm going to make a different choice. I don't want that cosmic two by four again. I don't want to have this experience again. So how can I go inside of myself and work with my soul to find out why these patterns are repeating themselves over and over in my experience and bring an end to it? So I'm going to jump in because what you described is exactly my pathway with my father and why I incarnated as his daughter. So, and I have viewed numerous past life lives we've had together, other lifetimes over, you know, span of millennium. And we took turns being the perpetrator and the victim. So in one lifetime, he would smash and destroy me. The next lifetime, I would smash and destroy him. And we were just going back and forth like this. 
so my awareness was that, well, this lifetime, we said, this has got to stop. Like we're both done with this. We need to evolve past this and we need to both move into forgiveness and compassion. And so how do we do that? Well, let's incarnate in very close proximity because prior to that, we'd all strangers and we'd see each other. Like I'd see him across a, a village square and our eyes would lock and whoever was the perpetrator in that lifetime would be like you. And the, whoever was the victim would be like, oh shit, like you, it was like magnetic. It was so powerful. It was unmistakable. And so in by incarnating and I chose to be the daughter and he did nearly kill me twice. And, but that was the role of my mother to not intervene unless I was at risk of death. And in those cases she intervened, but otherwise we were left to work it out. And that work, walking that process from, which again came from me because, you know, he wasn't going to go and get past life regression therapy or any kind of, you know, EFT tapping, healing or, or what have you. That was my job. And in healing and resolving and bringing us both into love and forgiveness and compassion, where he is one of my biggest supporters now, we have just tremendous love and connection. Um, he asks me for help with healing things now. Uh, it's been such a healing and an evolution of soul for both of us. And then in addition, I had to heal a bunch of things in his masculine generational line, which when I followed them back, guess who was the originator? Me. So <laughs> it was again, so intertwined and so interlinked. And, and this lifetime has, again, I believe that was our sole agreement to say, we're ready to be done with this. We're ready to integrate, resolve, release, compassion, forgiveness, and get the love flowing again. One of the things that I have seen over and over again is where someone incarnates into a genetic lineage or an ancestral line, and they discover that the beginning of the wound, the beginning of the belief, the beginning of the burden, the beginning of the promise, the beginning of the distortion was actually them as a soul incarnate 10, 20, 30, 100 generations back Mm -hmm. And they're here to bring an end to that suffering by witnessing it, by honoring it, by forgiving themselves, and mm -hmm. then offering that healing to their lineage. So genius that you perceived that you had previously incarnated in his patriarchal or your patriarchal ancestry, and you were able to offer that healing to all of those that were affected and ultimately your children and their children as well. Exactly. And it was my horse Montaro who showed me, who showed me that and led me down that pathway. And after I started it, like you said, 50, a hundred generations ago, each generation fed that like an egregore. So then that became an entity in and of itself that then was attached and really negatively influencing the whole line. And, you know, as you said, when I resolved and released and discreated that, I did it for all generations back and all generations forward. So it was very valuable to have somebody willing to come and do that for all of us. Well, I'm very glad to hear you mention thought forms and egregores and that they can 
passed through the genetic lineage. Some months ago, I had a friend who started a new podcast and she was interviewing a lot of sciencey types and doctors, an amazing array of beings. And I turn on her podcast for the first time and there's an expert saying, no one can put thoughts in your head. That's just absolutely not true. And I just immediately clicked right off of that podcast because I know that that is absolutely true. In fact, I teach a class on where do thoughts come from and there are thoughts that we have that we actually think are our thoughts, but they are other people's thoughts that we are hearing and the voices of our ancestors, as well as thought forms that we can take on from someone else's field, especially if we're being accosted or abused or physically, emotionally or verbally harmed in any way as someone is penetrating our field, we can take on these thought forms and you and I, I think hold a very similar definition of egregore and that's not just the easter bunny and santa claus but a thought form that has gotten so out of control it now has a life of its own and it believes its job is to perpetuate the thought that you fed or your ancestors fed or your perpetrator fed or you know someone who you took on their energy i had a client once who called me in a panic saying her 17-year-old daughter was texting her from the bathroom terrified because her husband, who was an alcoholic, the 17-year-old was saying, his anger is trying to attack me through the bathroom door. And what mm -hmm. that was, was an egregore. It was a thought form of anger, everything is somebody else's fault. That person was the victim. They were, this man was often inebriated and he was projecting such anger that this young girl could feel it trying to attack her. And she knew it was its own life force energy. And that's exactly what seems to be affecting people a lot right now. I have many, many clients and people I know personally, whose friends, whose colleagues, whose significant others are saying and doing things that are just so completely uncharacteristic, like something little happens, and then it's just this huge blow up. And there's just this force of anger, or blame or shame or judgment. And it's these thought forms and egregores that are coming to the surface, they're being triggered. And this reality is shifting and changing. And these energies either have to go or be expressed by someone who is choosing not to heal. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yes, a lot of sense. What about someone who has a soul agreement, something like, I don't deserve to be happy? I wanted to say two things because you hmm. had asked about your mom. Um, oh, sure. And before we move on, I wanted to refer back to what you said, Jeannie, about your mom, that your mom did not intervene to prevent your father from abusing you. And that is a parental agreement. You had a parental agreement with your mother not to intervene unless your life was at risk. And you literally had that sole agreement because you as a soul and the soul of your father 
knew that this was a make or break life, that you were going to choose to heal in this life and you were going to work it out no matter what. As souls, we do choose to experience unhappiness, to experience loneliness, to experience unworthiness. There are so many, from our perspective on earth, unfortunate things happening to us that we chose. We created this plan. What we didn't understand, I don't think, is how difficult it is in this reality to wake up and realize it's not just the universe doing this to me over and over again. Originally, it was a choice. Now it's just gotten out of control. And I just wanted to say one more cute little thing about parental agreements. Several months ago, maybe nine or 10 months ago, a woman contacted me asking me about a soul agreement with her young son who was 12 years old. And there were four or five things. And the last thing said, and you have to teach me how to play basketball. And when I said that out loud, she chuckled and reached over on her desk. We we're on Zoom. And she picked up a basketball and held it up and said, I just signed him up for basketball. So awesome. These types of agreements are being honored and souls are communicating with one another. And I certainly intend to see less and less suffering and more and more cooperation, honoring, communication, healing, resolution, understanding, and people beginning to reclaim their power and their sovereignty mm -hmm. and say, I no longer consent. Thank you very much. I've learned everything I can from the fear of being unwanted or the fear of not feeling safe, right? And how does someone know when they are actually done with that soul agreement and they are ready to be free of it? Well, the way I counsel my clients is I ask them to ask their highest self because all of our agreements, to my understanding, are made in cooperation with the oversoul, monad, higher self, whatever language you would like to use. And what I do is have them ask, have I learned everything I intended to learn through this experience? And am I ready to let it go? Because we can just say, oh, I'm done with this. I'm ready to let it go. But once or twice, I've had a higher self say, no, absolutely not. And I can give you one example because it's fresh on my mind. Happened a few weeks ago. I said, your higher self is telling me that you're not ready to let, and I forget what the specific fear was. I think it was about being wrong or right, or both. I think it was a paradox, afraid of being wrong and afraid of being right. There was like a dichotomy or a paradox there. And the woman said, oh yeah, I'm ready to be done with that. And I said, well, your higher self is telling me actually you're not. You haven't learned your lesson. And it's because you have a tendency to want to control everything. And I wrote down the word perfection. And she said, oh yeah, I'm a perfectionist. I don't let anybody do anything. I have to do everything. It has to be just right. And I said, oh, okay, great. So you ready to let that go? She said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so her higher self was right. She wasn't ready to let it go. So she couldn't let go of the dichotomy of the fear of being wrong or the fear of being right because she was both. Everybody else was wrong <laughs> and she was always right. So I said, okay, well, let's talk about something else. You can't heal this today, <laughs> right? That's awesome. <laughs> it just it just goes to show how 
you know, there aren't any cookie cutter answers for this and everyone really is on their unique soul journey. And again, we come back to something that I was discussing with someone and I said, you know, the absolute key to everything is being able to discern and being able to have that direct connection with your higher self to ask. And a lot of people are like, well, I asked my guide and you know, you and I have already done a talk on this. Well, who is your guide? What's their agenda? Are they actually here to help you for your highest good? Or maybe they're there for their own evolution and you just agreed to help them. Like where are your parameters clear around that? And most people have never even thought of it. They just assumed, well, I have a guide. Of course it's benevolent. Of course it's for my good. And of course it's on my side. And, you know, we just make all these assumptions and we instantly give our power away because we feel so honored that some multidimensional being has chosen us. And we don't even think to question what's their motivation, what's their agenda, what's their priority. But as you keep saying, I guide my client to ask your higher self your oversoul, because that is your pure, clear, clean line of divine guidance and wisdom. Well, I have to interject. I really cannot let this go without saying, I cannot tell you the number of people who believe they are talking with their higher self, and it's not. This reality is really confusing and complex. You know this far better than I do, I think. And I actually teach people beginning psychic awareness, beginning psychic development, beginning self-awareness, beginning self-responsibility, because so few people who are out there practicing some type of healing modality or metaphysical practitionership and they're just not talking to their higher self. And the information they're bringing through might be 60, 70, 80% correct. However, the beings that are working with them are controlling them, have cords into them, and they're getting something in return, make no mistake. Very, very good point. Pardon me. I have worked with several people who I knew to be on a journey for decades and who were extraordinarily aware, had studied with masters across the world, and they get into my class and I say, okay, check this space between you and your higher self to see if it's clear. Oh, it's clear. I talked to my higher self. This is exactly what my higher self looks like. And I say, okay, so would you humor me? Are you willing to do the exercise? The whole class is doing this exercise. Can you please look at this particular space that I teach about? And uh, she said, yeah, well, it's, you know, this color, et cetera. And I said, okay, so do you think it's supposed to be that color? Do you think it's supposed to be cloudy? Can you shine the light of truth on that? Let's see. Call in your highest self that is available to you in other dimensions. And she did. And turns out that this being that she thought was her higher self was, in fact, a guru from a previous life experience that she had given away her power to, given away her crown. Many yogis and gurus say, for your own good, I'm going to take control of your crown chakra so that you don't misuse your power. And then not realizing that for many lifetimes thereafter, until you wake up and realize some of these nasty things you're saying to people publicly and privately, are actually coming from this guru who doesn't want you to evolve, who doesn't want you to exceed the level of consciousness that they achieved in their life. 
So quite interesting when people realize, ooh, so the guides I've been talking to were actually guides that were a holdover from a previous life where I really was choosing a lot of suffering. And these guides continue to throw roadblocks in my way, create saboteur energies, encourage me to say and do things, lead me down the wrong path, interfere with my discernment. And now I understand why. Okay, thank you very much for your service. Your services are no longer needed, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So complex and just, <laughs> I'm sure the the average person listening to this is just pretty mind boggled at this point going, oh my gosh, how do I even move forward in a jungle, tangled jungle like this? Like, where do you even start And I guess the answer is you start wherever you're at. Every day. I think intention is everything. Willingness uh, to, to say to your highest self, I am willing to have been wrong or misinformed. I am willing to change. I am willing to heal. I am willing to be more self aware. I am willing to listen. I'm willing to receive love, gratitude, instruction, information. So many of us, the willingness just isn't there. Some people refer to that as havingness. H-A-V-I-N-G-N-E-S-S, havingness, what can you have, right? And that means where are we preventing ourselves from receiving? What is the resistance? Where are the blocks? And to look at your own life. You know, if you're not sure where you're preventing or where you have blocks to receiving, look at your life. Where are you sitting in lack? You know, where is your life not where you'd like it to be? And and then use that as, okay, now follow that back. Right. And there is a philosophy, oh, you're just trying to find something wrong with you. Just accept yourself as you are. There is nothing wrong with you. Be okay at every step of the way. Well, if we never question where our thoughts, feelings, and emotions come from, if we never ask why we react, reason, and respond so inappropriately, then we'll never get the answer that is sitting right in front of us because you chose to experience unworthiness or you chose to experience ill health or you chose to experience a lack of confidence, or you chose to give away your power. And the moment you are aware of that, you can begin to shift that. And you never again have to experience that emotion or that event or that feeling or that interaction in an interpersonal relationship ever again. But if we just throw up our hands and say, nothing's wrong with me. I'm just fine. I don't need to know everything. I don't need to know anything, in fact. And I'm just going to choose to be happy. I've just never met anybody that that really worked for. But I know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that self-awareness actually works for. It actually changes your life because you then reclaim your power. And in your awareness, you get to say how you choose to move forward. Mm-hmm. I, I like what you said about claiming your power because that would be another signpost. Like if you look at your life, where do you collapse into victim? 
right? Like there'll be a pattern, you know, for me, for the longest time, it was with overwhelm. Like I would just be like, oh, it's too much. I just, oh, I just can't, which would then lead to me feeling because I'm all alone, right? And that I am all alone was the place where I collapsed into victim instead of dealing with what was that pathway and what was everything playing into that that led to that collapse and how do I heal and resolve all of that so that I can have exactly the same experiences and the exactly the same challenges and instead become more empowered and increase my resilience. And that was a journey that didn't happen overnight. Absolutely. And for me, it was why is everybody doing this to me? Why am I always being attacked? Why, 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 why is this happening to me? Instead of looking inside of me to determine where I had either done that to myself or someone else, or I had, let's say, a matching picture or a matching wound or a matching frequency, whatever your language is, that attracted that experience to me over and over. When I woke up to that, everything that happens to me is a message to me about my inner landscape. My life immediately changed and my journey went from being extraordinarily circuitous, rocky, up and down, in the ditch more than on the path, went to, whoa, okay, what's next? How good can it get? this is really fun. And it became a curiosity. Okay, that happened. I wonder why. Okay, now I see I had a past life with that person. Or look at that, I triggered their wound, or their wound triggered me. You know, it's not for me to heal the other person. But in that awareness, I was able to find within myself, and it became easier and easier and easier and easier. I can't tell you how many people I talk to. I've meditated for 20 years, 30 years, one woman, 35 years. Some people, I spend several hours a day meditating. I do Qigong, you know, an hour in the morning and an hour in the night. And I've had a Kundalini awakening. And, you know, why is my life so out of control? And I've done ayahuasca 10 times. And and I ask, well, what is your daily practice? And what is your self-awareness practice? And what do you do when these things happen? And the answer is, well, I do the same thing I always do. I get really mad and I stay mad for six or seven days or two months. or And, and that is not the path to resolution. Self-awareness and self-reflection is truly the path to resolution. But wouldn't someone like that, if they get mad and they have a daily Qigong practice or a daily meditative practice, wouldn't they get mad and then during that practice... Well, I mean, I'm going to answer my own question because, you know, meditation is not really a great way that I found to release anger because anger is always there for a reason. And until you get to the root of why you're angry and what triggered you and all the elements that we discussed, how do you release that anger? Like you can try to use meditation to ignore it or numb it or pretend it's not there. But then when you're done meditating, guess what? You're still angry. (laughs) Look, you can blow as many doors open to higher level consciousness as you choose, as much money as you can throw at it, as many trips that you can do to South America or Central America, 
to do ayahuasca. You can do Qigong multiple hours a day or Tai Chi or um, seek immortality through certain martial arts classes, etc. But until you clean up your own woundedness, until you become self-aware, you're still operating daily from your lower chakras. And when you are expressing your consciousness at the level of your lower chakras and all of these beings, whether it's parasites, astral entities, unhealed wounds, people you've judged in past life or this life, people that you are in unforgiveness of in this life, they are still going to have an effect on you and you are still going to express your level of consciousness where your woundedness exists. And for most people on earth, it's safety, security, survival. It's the root chakra. People are in pain. They have musculoskeletal conditions. They have sexual dysfunction and a lot of power, personal power, domination and control, narcissistic, abusive tendencies, a lot of shame and blame, even in the metaphysical community. It's rampant. It's almost hard to look at sometimes. Well said. Is there anything else that you want to say on our starting topic of soul agreements before we wrap this up? because I think we've covered a lot of ground today and people's brains are probably already reeling. Well, I talk a lot about self-inquiry and I do have some free videos on my website that one of them is where do thoughts come from? And we talked about that today. And mm -hmm. one is the spiritual car wash and pink pillows of love, but there's one called self-inquiry. So let's say someone is experiencing a pattern over and over and they just are self-aware enough to say, wow, it just feels like my life is built on a foundation of unworthiness or lack or not feeling safe or judgment. Why can't I stop judging others? There was a practitioner in a training class that I was taking some time ago, and the practitioner stood up and said, how can you be a practitioner for just anybody? Don't you have to know their political affiliation first? How can you help somebody that doesn't belong to the same political party you do, right? Mm -mm. And so, I mean, this is a quite low level of consciousness working here. And what we can do when we find these traits, these habits, these, these triggers is use self-inquiry to ask our soul, ask our higher self, Am I in an archetype or is this a soul choice? Did I choose as a soul to experience this? And have I learned enough from it? That is what I, I say those words several times a week to clients. Did I choose this at the soul level and have I learned enough from it? And if the answer is no, what do I not yet understand? What am I not yet seeing? A lot of times it's that, People really, really need to go through their life and forgive unconditionally themselves and others. And once we do that, you're more than halfway there to becoming more self-aware and receiving information from your higher self and your team if you choose to work with a team. I like that. That's a lovely process. And that's on the free resources page of your website? 
Yes, it's um, the tab is called resources, and then the page under that tab is free content. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you, Ginny, for this wonderful, deep, enlightening conversation. And I always love talking to you because you have so many client stories and so many firsthand experiences that it uh, just takes everything to a next level. So thank you. Thank you, Jeannie. I appreciate your wisdom as well. And I hope to talk to you again soon. You bet. We are going to be doing a lot of these. We got lots to talk about, sister. <laughs> All righty. Thank you.